All right, so we've been going over the gifts of the Spirit. Well, we had been, and we had a bunch of guest speakers, so we're going to get back on track with some of that stuff. Um, you guys turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I've read this to you a bunch of times. Sarah's read it to you a couple times. I've got to turn there. You're probably all going to beat me. All right. So, this is Paul. He's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking to the church in Corinth saying, okay, this is what God has given us as a gift for the body. But this is not only just a gift for the body, it's a gift for the world through the body of Christ. So this is not just something that is used to be, um, or made to be used inside of the church. This is something that's made to be used outside of the church. Because the body of Christ is not, we're supposed to supply each other with what we need to build each other up. But this is something that is meant to be used outside of the church as, as, the, as we exit the doors and look for people who need Christ. So we've been talking, and Sarah talked a, a little bit about, um, what did you talk about? I just went blank on that. Yeah, prophecies and words of knowledge. And I went over healing a couple weeks ago. And um, I, I was going to continue on, but I think we're going to leave that. And we're going to start talking about that a little bit more later on in the year, the beginning of next year, in, in a little more in-depth um, but one of them, in uh, this passage, it talks about the working of miracles. Yeah. And, and it's weird because that's the, one of the only times you see that phrase, the working of miracles, uh, used in the Bible, um, especially in that connotation. And so one thing I want to talk to you about is this, is, is healing. We talked about healing last time I spoke, and then we're going to talk about miracles today. But miracles and healings are two different things. The, don't get me wrong, uh, healing is a miracle, but there's a difference in um, a miracle and a, and a healing miracle. And so they're a little bit different. So it talks about the working of miracles. Working of miracles is something that is, um, that is created in us through the power of God. Uh, there's a word dunamis, and it's, it's basically the power of God, the holy power of God rising up inside of you. And it's, it's a, a working power um, it's a supernatural power that God uh, releases in our lives to release those miracles into the world. If we have healing, we should see miracles. Because the, healing is the beginning part of miracles coming to, 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 point, to face on earth. And so if we're, seeing mirac- if we're having healings in our life and we're seeing healings in our church and in our, in our lives, we should start to see an increase of, of that and miracles coming to pass in, in our church and in our lives. Healing is that miracle, and, and when, don't, don't get me wrong, when you get healed from something, you're like, oh my gosh, that is awesome, and you praise God and you thank God, but there's a difference between the working of miracles and healing, and I'll get into that in just a second. So miracles, they happen, but working of miracles is exactly that. It's the work. There's a, something that it, it requires us to do something in the working of miracles. Um, you have to do something to release something into the earth. So God, what he does is in, in the Holy Spirit, when he releases these gifts into us, it, it's just certain times, some, some people flow in that gift all the time. Some people just all of a sudden in that moment, they release that gift that the Holy Spirit just empowers them to release. But the working of miracles requires us to be involved in it. It requires us to have action in it, not just, okay, God, just do a miracle for them. This, if you look at these times of, of miracles, it wasn't someone just saying, God, do this miracle. It was someone being physically present and being physically active in that miracle for that to happen in, their, in, the, in the Bible. 
You have to work to release the power of God into an area that would defy natural law. Miracles defy the natural law that God created. So God creates a, a, a law that says, hey, the, the oceans are going to be constant flowing. And Moses steps up and he puts his staff over and, and, and God pushes the water back. That's not something that is normal that you just walk up to, you know, walk up to Camp Bell Lake and put your foot in it and watch it split apart and walk across to your neighbor's house. You don't, you don't see that naturally. You don't see the, the, the white river. You just go there and, and hit it with a stick and it just parts and go, oh, hey, I'm going to come over this side and fish. And then when you get over, it flows back and then you can fish on that side. It doesn't work that way. That, that, so God's natural laws of, of the river flowing and the lakes moving, that's natural law. But a, a working of a miracle defies the natural laws that God set into place. So when water is flowing through the Jordan and Joshua and the priests step into it, boom, it stops. It doesn't part. It stops. Literally, it goes dry here and it builds back up here. And they walk across and the people walk across. And, and as soon as the last one steps foot, the Jordan River flows. And the Jordan River isn't a little crick. It's, it's a pretty decent sized river. So it's not something that they were like, oh yeah, it's just, oh, God stopped it a little ways back. God r- literally put a, a spiritual dam in front of that river and stopped it so his people could walk across. We're not talking like five or ten. We're talking a million people walking across this river into the promised land. So a, a working of miracle it suspends natural law to release God's divine purpose on the earth. God's purpose for the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea was for them to come into the promised land. So he literally parted the sea. Moses had to be an active part in that, and God just said, stretch your staff forth. And he stretches his, his staff over the water, and God literally, if you, if you will read it in a second here, it says, Moses then took his staff and reached out over the sea. The eternal one parted the sea with a strong east wind, which blew all night and turned the floor of the sea into dry ground between the divided waters. So God literally parted the waters and then the wind blew overnight. So this water wasn't instantly gone, like boom, there it is. And, and dry, you know, we see on the, the movie, the Ten Commandments, you know, the, the sea parts and Moses stretches his staff and they're like, oh, hey, we go over now. This happened over a period of time. So God moves the water back and he stops the water and, and the wind comes and dries the grind, ground out. So it wasn't muddy, it wasn't swampy. They literally walked across like, the, like it was a, a dry piece of land that they could walk across without struggling. That defies any natural law that you can think of. I mean, unless you really think that you can, you can uh, watch waters part like that, um, naturally, you're not going to see that. But God says, you know what? I've put natural laws into place, but my, my supernatural power and ability is going to defy that when my people need it or when someone needs it. That defies any kind of logic that we can think of is someone walking up to an ocean or the, the sea and going, oh, okay, here, here we go. I'm going to hold the stick over top of it and watch the Red Sea part. This is not a small body of water by any means. And it just literally starts to, to move away. We look at Joshua again. He, his, they step foot, the priest step foot into the, into the water, and the water literally stops flowing. You don't just turn off a river really quick like that, but God works that way. Elijah called a drought. He said, okay, there's going to be a drought. God told him, you have to be an active part of this, call a drought. And so he calls a drought. And then, and then God says, okay, now tell him it's going to be, it's going to rain. And he works a miracle. And then a little cloud the size of a fist starts to form in the distance. 
you know, you look at Elijah and he created these miracles that he worked were the dead woman's, or excuse me, the, the woman's dead son. He's just like, oh, okay, here, raises him from the dead. That defies any natural law that we would think of. We, we think, okay, someone's dead, we, we bring him to the morgue. But Elijah's like, no, no, don't worry about it. You just, I'll take care of it. Elisha raises uh, another woman's son from the dead. And, you know, one of the coolest ones that I, I had, these, you've ever seen these, they're red Bible storybooks. And they're from like the 80s. And I used to read them when I was a little kid. And it's the story of Elisha. And they're out chopping wood and that axe head falls into the river. You know, and we're talking probably a good 10 pound axe head. And he literally goes and causes the axe head to rise and float on the water. That defies gravity. It defies every natural thought that we have of, of what should happen. And he literally goes, okay, hey, we need to finish chopping wood. So, hey, I need this. He's like, okay, God, we need to, we need to work on this. God's like, okay, we'll take care of it. That defies our natural ability. It defies natural laws of, of, of what God created. But God's like, you know what? I'm going to provide supernatural circumstances to be able to provide miracles for you when you need it. We look at Jesus and, and the things that he did are incredible. Um, Jesus is what you could call perfect theology. There, we don't need theology except for looking at Jesus and say, what did Jesus do? We're going to follow that. If you follow what Jesus does, your theology is dead on. If you look and say, okay, Jesus said this and Jesus did this and Jesus loved this person and he did this person, then there's de- you've got good theology. We can argue all day about theology and per- people's opinion, but you know what? Jesus is the only thing that we should, we should follow. Paul even said, it. he goes, follow me as I follow Christ. So when we look at Jesus, we look at, at, at the Son of God defying the natural laws that his Father created for the purpose of, of healing and restoring people to the heart of the Father. We were talking about this this morning uh, when we were setting up, uh, right after we were setting up, but Jesus' power over the weather. He literally is sleeping in the bottom of this boat, and, you know, and his disciples are, are, you know, running around like the three stooges, like, oh, help us, help us. You know, they're, they're, they're freaking out, and they're like, he's, like, how do you sleep in the middle of a storm? You know, you can just imagine 12 of them up there just freaking out, and, you know, so Peter's on the side puking off the side, and, you know, and, and John's holding on to the mast, and he's like, oh, this has got to stop, and, and they're screaming for Jesus, and he's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, it's, it, oh, the storm, yeah, okay. You guys need to chill out. Peace, be still. And he speaks to it, and literally it goes dead. Flat, placid water. That defies all nature, what nature does. I mean, he's talking to the water. He's talking to the wind. He's talking to everything. And he just tells his disciples, you guys got to chill out, man. This is, he goes, why are you freaking out? I'm sitting right here. If I'm not worried about it, you shouldn't be worried about it. I love how it says here in uh, Matthew eight twenty three. it says, Then he got into the boat with his disciples, and they followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went to him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He's sleeping. He's just got done preaching. He's resting. They're like, let's go to the other side of the lake. And they're freaking out. And he's like, why are we freaking out? Because you know what? I can take care of this. And he doesn't just like, you know, he doesn't throw a stick at it. He doesn't, you know, scream at it. He just says, 
And you know in Jesus, he's probably not using this huge, loud voice. He's like, just peace, be still. And it literally stops. I mean, the waves are coming over the boat. So it means the boat is filling with water. It's ready to ca- it could capsize. And Jesus is like, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to stop it right there. Peace, be still. I want to suggest to you that whatever the storm and boat that you're in at that t- moment, Jesus has a miracle for you. God has a miracle for you at that time because it's like, you know, we're so many times we get into the, the boat that we're in or the situation where we're freaking out, we're running around like, who's going to help me? Who's going to help me? And God's like, just like, peace, be still, keep your mouth shut, yeah. stop listening, stop looking, yeah. let me finish it for you. And he says, boom, like that. Yeah. That's how miracles happen. We try, we try to create this miracle, this big situation, and God's just like, no, we're just going to sit back and I'm just going to lean up, look over the boat and go, peace, be still. He spoke to it because he had authority. But it was an active, he was active in it. He wasn't like, okay, God, can you just take care of this for me? No, he, he took what the power that was inside of him that he has given to us and said, yeah, hey, stop. I was listening to um, this uh, testimony and this guy was talking about, they were in Africa and they were um, expecting this huge storm to come and they were trying to do... Uh, um, um, evangelism and outreach and stuff like that and i mean we're talking uh, one of the worst storms that africa had ever seen they're like clouds you know for uh, hundreds of miles the storm was going to be huge and just they were expecting flash floods and everything and they literally got together and they started to pray and they started to speak against the the storm and the storm literally split in half went around them right when it got past them formed back together and then went over top of them because they were holding meetings and they're like you know what, god we need a miracle but what they were doing is they were, they were, they were becoming active in that and, and believing God and praying and starting to speak what God had given them. So Jesus replies to him, he says, in verse 26, he says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? These 12 people had the, the living incarnate God in the boat with them and they're freaking out like they're going to die, like the captain bailed out. It's as if he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. He said, stop. Peace, be still. Stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> What's really funny is the response of these guys. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the waves and the winds obey him. His own disciples are, what kind of man is this? He walked on water. He called Peter out to walk. He's like, hey, if you're doing it, can I come out with you? Oh, yeah, come on out. So he, he literally was, was, was an active part of a miracle of walking on water. Have you guys ever tried to walk on water that wasn't frozen? It doesn't work too well. Frozen water, you can walk on really well. Regular water, don't try it. You ever walked off a dock and go, yeah, this will work, you know, and just step in? No. But Peter steps out of this boat, and, you know, and he's like, if it's you, Lord, call me. And he says, well, come to me. So he literally, you know, can you imagine that? Like, uh, uh, you know, sticking your leg over the boat, going, <laughs> tapping the water a little bit to see if it's, it's going to hold you. And he literally became part of an active miracle. And he walks out to the Lord. But what happens is, is this, is he takes his eyes. He's like, okay, I'm coming to you, Jesus. He steps out of the boat. But then he starts seeing waves. He starts seeing the wind. He starts seeing the, the, the circumstances around him, the weather around him. And he goes, oh, no. And then he starts to sink. And what does Jesus do? He goes, reaches down and grabs him. 
So that means when Jesus is walking on the water and John starts to sink and Jesus reaches down, that doesn't mean John is like here on him. That means John is like neck deep in it and he's like, I need you to grab my hand because I need you to pull me up. And Jesus pulls him back up. And then he becomes part of an act of miracle again and Jesus brings him into the boat. Jesus said that greater things you will do than I have done. He says, I'm going to my Father. He goes, I'm leaving you something. I'm leaving you. I'm going away, but I'm sending you a gift. I'm sending you power. And he, he leaves, us and, uh, leaves us a gift and sends us a gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes into these disciples. They become apostles and they're filled with the Spirit and they're preaching to people and they start to perform miracles. Jesus gave them power as the way he gave us power over the natural realm. He gave them the power that, they, that Adam and Eve had given away when they sinned and gave the power over to Satan. So man was created to rule and reign over earth. In the uh, Genesis it says, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth. So we've been given power over the natural realm, but it comes through a supernatural power that comes from God. Jesus showed us what a normal Christian lifestyle should be. He showed his disciples and, he, and the apostles walked, started to walk out what a normal Christian life would be of miracles happening every day. We love to read about all these miracles. We read about the little, you get the Bible storybooks and you, it shows about all the miracles and it's really cool. But they're not just stories. They're not just something we can look back and go, oh man, in the Bible this happened. Miracles are real and they're working today. We just have to be receptive to say, you know, how is this going to work in my life? How do, God, how do you want me to work? We have to pursue those gifts. They're greater gifts. Paul says pursue, desire after, chase after greater gifts. We need greater gifts because what happens is the greater gifts bring greater outcomes. Greater outcomes mean greater amount of people want into the kingdom. That means greater, that nations are going to come into the kingdom instead of one by one and two by two. It's going to come by thousands and by thousands. We look throughout the Bible and there's, there's so many miracles. There's, there's multiplication miracles. There's the feeding of the 5,000. There's the large catch when Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side and they could barely contain and pull up what they had. You know, that just doesn't happen. You know, if someone, you're sitting out on your boat and um, uh, Sue's husband goes, hey, why don't you cast on the other side and then you get the largest fish you've ever seen. That doesn't happen. But Jesus says, hey, uh, you're not catching anything. Try the left side instead of the right side and let's flip flop it. Let's try it. You know, you guys aren't really doing so well. And they can't contain what they catch. There's no natural way to, to look at that and go, okay, yeah, the fish moved over four feet to the, to the right a little bit so we could, we could you know, catch them all. Like, hey, we're over here. Come cast your net over here. No, Jesus said, hey, try the other side. And God's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. So Jesus feeds the 5,000. 
tells his disciples, cast the nets on the other side. They catch more fish than they can contain. And then Jesus, just to prove that when he fed the 5,000 was completely true, he goes and feeds 4,000. He goes, remember the 5,000? You thought that might have been a whim or a fluke or something like that? Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to prove that it was real. And then what is a really cool miracle is he turns water into wine. I love this because he's at a wedding and his mom's like, hey, we're running out of wine. You need, to, you need to do something. This is before he really steps into his ministry. He's like, this is, this is before my time. I, don't ask me to do this. So what he does is this, is he takes water and he turns it into wine. And the people are like, why did you leave the good stuff for last? Because usually what they do is they get the good stuff out first, get them drunk, and then give them the bad stuff so they don't know that it tastes bad. But Jesus says, Oh, okay, yeah, let's take this. So he brings them water, turns it into wine, and it's the best wine they've ever had. But what happens is this, is Jesus did something so awesome because what it was is this. If you ran out of wine at a wedding, it was shameful for the family and shameful for the person who had put on the feast. So if they said, oh, you're out of wine, they would leave, and it would be basically, uh, it would tarnish your name that you ran out of wine. So Jesus did multiplication miracles. He wasn't like, oh yeah, here, here's, a, here's an extra bottle of wine for the rest of y'all. Take a little sip and pass it around. He was like, I'm going to create more wine and the best wine that's ever been created. And then Jesus got creative with his miracles. You know, he's in the garden, he's praying, his disciples are you know, like, I'm going to go out and buy a sword, you know, and they go out, and one of them goes out and buys a sword and he's like, well, if they come for you, I'm going to defend you. And, and he's probably not really good with a sword because he's a fisherman. So he goes to, to take a guy out at the neck and he, he slices his ear off. And, and how many of you guys know when you slice an ear off, that's not healing. That's like, I need a whole new ear. That's not like, oh, I have a little nick on my ear and let's pray for it to be healed. Jesus is like, oh, hey, look, your ear's here. Let me grab that for you. And he touches the man and he puts the ear back on. It's like, oh, did you lose this? You know, here, you need this. And so this is not just a, um, a, 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 like, oh, hey, I nicked myself shaving. Can you pray for the, the shave cut that it stops bleeding? He literally takes that dude's ear off the ground and says, oh, yeah, this is yours. Here, let me, and puts it back on. Can you imagine what that, the guy that was coming to take him away was like? <laughs> like, that just happened? Yeah, he's probably like, ah, yeah, I'm not gonna be part of this. This, this, just got, this guy just saved me a lot of time. And then the, the, the last miracle I want to talk to you about is Jesus comes up to the man who is blind. If you really read into the scripture, it talks that he was born without eyes. He was born without eyes. So what does Jesus do? He does it the old-fashioned way like his father did. He grabs some dirt and he spits into it. Takes dirt, spits on it and breathes on it like the breath of the, his father breathed life into Adam and Eve when he created. This is a creative miracle. Jesus is like, you know what? You don't have eyes? Let's do something about that. I'm going to do it how my father did it. We're going to take a little bit of dirt. And he creates and he touches the man and the man has eyes. He creates something out of nothing. That is a creative miracle. And you know what? You don't just go up to somebody and go, oh, you don't have eyes? Oh, we'll pray for healing. No, healing is something that is broken and needs to be fixed. Miracles are, you don't have this, I'm going to give this to you. 
you don't have eyes? Jesus is like, oh, you don't have eyes? Well, you know what? That wasn't from my father, so I'm going to give you what my father would have wanted you to have. And he says, you know what? Now you can see. The deaf and dumb man. He doesn't just like, okay, now I'm going to heal you from your, your hearing. I'm going to heal you from both. Because here's the thing. That man was probably born that way. So if you can't hear, you can't speak. If it's from birth, you won't be able to speak. People won't be able to understand you. But what he does is he heals his ears and he heals his tongue and he looses the tongue to be able to speak like nothing had ever happened. Yeah. This isn't healing. This is, this is creative. Because you can't, if someone has been deaf for a lot of years, it's very hard to teach them how to speak and how to, to pronunciate things and to be able to talk. But Jesus is like, hey, we're just going to take care of all of it in one big fell swoop. I'm going to release your ears to be able to hear. We're going to create what is not in there, to, that your eardrums, whatever is not there. We're going to make those work. And oh, by the way, we're going to loose your tongue so you can speak like nothing had ever happened. Healing is, is oh, hey, I've had an issue with my tongue. I need to heal. Jesus is like, you never had this. I'm going to give this to you. So this man is deaf and dumb, and now he can hear and he can speak. His life has just changed forever because now he can go get a job because he can hear his boss to go and do what he needs to do, but he can also communicate to be able to take care of himself. So Jesus is like, I'm not just going to give you what you need for that moment. I'm going to give you what you need for the rest of your life. I still read that scripture where Jesus spits on the dirt and he puts it in the guy's face and he creates something in him. And that blows me away. That he, he loved that man so much that he created his eyes for him. He didn't just like, oh, well, you know, here you go. Well, I'm going to help you find a place to stay so you can, you can beg for money. John talked about it last week that they're on their way to temple. Uh, the disciples are on their way to temple and the man is, is literally he can't walk. He hasn't been able to walk in years because there's no ligaments in his legs and his ankles. And he, he's like, you know what? Hey, I don't got money for you. I don't got gold. I don't got silver. But what I have, I will give you. And he says, rise up and walk. And, the, and it says in the scripture that the man's ankles and his legs started to, cur- to form back the way they should be. That's a creative miracle because you know what? Legs are growing out and the, the, the body's strengthening. And we're seeing this guy go from being, not being able to carry himself and, and, and walk to people carrying him everywhere because he's begging for money. He's begging at this gate because he can't move. They basically pick him up and carry him. They set him on a mat. He has a cup for coins, whatever it is, and he's begging. But Peter and John are like, you know what? No, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're not just going to, this is not a healing. This is a miracle because this man has been this way for years. He's like, get up and walk. Take up your mat. Go. And what does it say? He says, he went into the temple with them rejoicing and praising God because he had received a miracle. Miracles should not be uncommon. We should see that. We should see those things in our lives on a regular basis. Jesus said signs and wonders will follow. So when you start to see healings in your life and in your church, you desire more and you desire more. And you're like, you know what? I want more, God. I don't want to just see healings. I want to see miracles. I want to see people who can't walk. I want to see them walk. 
I want to see people who can't hear. I want to see them be able to hear and to speak. I want to see things happen in their lives that you can't explain. You ever had one of those things? It's like, I don't know where this came from or how this happened, but man, this is a miracle and I needed it at that moment. Because you know what? God is like, hey, I'm in the business of it. All I need you to do is be part of the business of it. I'm, part, I'm, I'm, I'm into making miracles happen every day. You just got to be tuned into me to help have those miracles happen in your life. First Corinthians 12, 6, it says, And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them in all. To each is given the gift of the manifestation of the, pure, uh, of the Spirit for common good. For to the one is given the Spirit of utterance and wisdom. So he's saying, this is not just a gift for you. It's for the common good. It's for the common good of the body of, the, uh, of Christ, for the church, but it's also for the common good of the people that are outside of the church that need it. Yes. There's people out there that are broken and they're, they're damaged and they need miracles in their body. They need miracles in their spirit because there's things that have happened to them. And God's like, you know what? I'm gonna not, we're not just going to heal that. We're going to pull that right out of there. So like it never happened. Yes. We're going to make it so that... that that thing that you were born with isn't there anymore. Yeah. That issue that you had in your heart and in, your, in your, your mind is not there anymore because it's a miracle. It's not just like, oh my gosh, God, God healed me. No, it's, it's like it never happened. A miracle says, you know what? You were born without eyes, but now you have eyes. It's like it never happened. A miracle, what it does, when God gives a miracle, it erases what the enemy has tried to steal from someone in their life and creates something that is restored it even more than what they had when they, when they, before they lost it. Amen. He's like, you know what? You, weren't born, you didn't have eyes when you were born. You know what? We're going to give you eyes because you know what? My father loves you. I love you. And I'm going to create something in you that allows you to live your life. God wants to create an atmosphere of miracles in our life so we can reach people because there's people out there that we see on a daily basis. You ever walk through a store and you see people who, are, who you know have been laid up for years and they don't need just a healing. They need that miracle in their life because they can barely get around or they, you can tell they're, they're dealing with um, mental issues or spiritual issues and God's like, you know what? I just want to erase that like it never happened. Miracles are for us, they're for today, they're for the church, and they're for the world because it says for the common good. For the church to go out and get, for the common good of the world because people, I can sit here and tell them, you've got to come to church, you've got to come to church, you've got to come to church. But until they see a miracle or the, the, the manifestation of God in their life, they're like, yeah, I don't care, it's just church. But when they see something like that happen in their life, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, he is real. He loves me and he wants good for me. Because you never see those, uh, those people who had the miracles going, oh, yeah, thanks, whatever, and walking away. They praised God, and they were like, thank you, God. And they went into the temple rejoicing, or they went away rejoicing to go to the priest and say, hey, look at me, I'm clean. The lepers. He says, hey, you've got leprosy. We're not just going to heal you, we're going to take it away. It's like it never happened. Yeah. Ashy skin to skin that's fair. That's not just like, oh, yeah, you're healed. That's like, hey, you had leprosy. It's not going to go away slowly. It's going to go away now. And he's like, hey, oh, by the way, I just healed you. Go, or I just gave you a miracle. You're completely gone, healed. There's nothing. Left. Go show yourself to the priest. If that was a healing, that would have taken time. 
But he's like, hey, you're clean. Go to the priest and show them that you're clean. I love that story because he heals the lepers and they all go away, but one comes back. And he's like, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. They went away rejoicing and they, but you know what? He's like, you know what? Thank you for what you've done for me. Because he saw the miracle and he was so grateful that he had to come back and say, thank you. Let's pray.